Well, good morning. Uh, to those who don't know me, my name is Budge Courier. I'm, I'm not the pastor here. As, as uh, Andre said, our pastor is in Africa um, on a missions trip and, and a conference where he'll be teaching other pastors. So I'm filling in this week. And uh, so for today, I, uh, we chose a light topic, the fear of the Lord. And I, and I say that uh, kind of joking. Um, the, the source of this sermon goes back really a couple of years ago in a Bible study uh, in our home group that we had, and uh, it was an interaction we had. Well, Sarah and I really had a question and conversation about this, and since then, I've been thinking more and more about the fear of the Lord, and so when Pastor Wayne asked me to speak, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do a sermon on the fear of the Lord. That, w- that was about a month ago when he asked me, and had I known more about this topic, I would have never picked this, because it is very, very challenging. Um, there, I did a ton of research, and I, I have a better understanding, but no way do I have a clear understanding because the, the topic is, is so broad. So because of that, there's really no one passage that we can go to and get an in, in-depth look at the fear of the Lord. So I decided to use PowerPoint because um, there's going to be over 77 different references that we're going to go through um, as we bounce all around Scripture and I didn't want you to be flipping your Bibles back and forth. Yeah, so there's a little too much there. Um, some of them we'll just look at real quickly. Um, and, and anyone who wants the slides, just let me know and I can send them to you because um, it, it, it would take a very long time to go through this in depth. It's, it's a very in-depth topic. So we're going to start in Psalm 34 because I think it has a really good kind of paradoxical look at fear. It talks a little bit about the fear of man and then the fear of the Lord and in a couple of different ways. So if you want to open up to Psalm 34 in your Bibles, I do not have that one on the screen. And we're just going to read the first 11 verses there. And then we're going to use that as a basis for kind of the conversation that we'll have moving through the rest of, of this morning. And as I said, it's, it's a rather heavy topic. So I hope, I, hope I, I see heads nodding as we go along and, and not a bunch of confusing looks. All right. So let's go ahead and, and read the first 11 verses there, and then we'll go ahead and pray. Psalm 34, beginning in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So let's open up in a a word of prayer. Father, as, as we come before you to contemplate the fear of the Lord, help us, Lord, to understand. And I just pray, Lord, you give me clarity help me to listen to your holy spirit and to be led by you and open all of our hearts to hear what it is you have to say to us lord 
Help us to just leave the distractions of the world behind us. Any preconceived ideas we may come into this topic with, Lord, let, let us lay them at your feet and learn from you this morning. We just thank you for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we dive into this topic, I want to take a look at a couple of the verses that are in Psalm 34 to give you kind of a, an understanding of how challenging it is to wrap your mind around the fear of the Lord. And then hopefully by the end, we, we have a deeper understanding. So if you look at verse 4 there, he talks about how he sought the Lord and delivered him from all of his fears. So there it's probably the fear that, you know, you might have on a scary night like Halloween or something like that. And you go out and get scared or you're afraid of the dark. It's those kind of fears or maybe the fear of man. That type of fear is what he's talking about in verse 4. And then it's interesting because if you look at verse 7, it says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So now this is a little bit different. This fear he's talking about here, it's fear of the Lord, and fear of the Lord is actually delivering you. So in one case, fear can paralyze you if it's of the wrong thing, but yet in another case, fear of the Lord is, has this delivering process. So we're going to talk about that. And then he talks about in the next couple of verses how the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and, and he delivers them. So again, this idea of fearing the Lord kind of surrounds us with this hedge of protection. And then he invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good and he blesses those who take refuge in him. And then he encourages us to fear the Lord. And if we fear him, the promise there is we will have no lack or we will lack no good, nothing. So there's a pretty big motivation here to understand this fear of the Lord. And then he goes on in verse 9. I think it's interesting there how he talks about how the, lung, the young lions suffer want and hunger. So if you think of a young lion, a powerful lion, right? You think if, if you were to look at that powerful animal, you wouldn't think that this animal is lacking anything. But here, it's, it's not the strength of the lion that's important. It's the fear of the Lord. And he's making this contrast between the two. And then in verse 11, there's this encouragement to listen to God and he will teach us the fear of the Lord. So my hope is that we will all be listening to God today, not me, try and listen to God, and he will teach us something about the fear of the Lord. And that's what we're going to try and do this morning as we move through these passages. So I'm going to give a little bit of a background to give you, help you understand how Scripture approaches this idea of the fear of the Lord. So if we were to just look at the, the sheer numbers, the fear of the Lord is mentioned 295 times in Scripture. 235 in the Old Testament and 43 in the New Testament. And if you want to really get a good practical exercise, go through all 295 verses and just build yourself a little chart like this. Pick up the scripture reference, a description of the type of godly fear that they're talking about. We're going to work through what some of those are. And then the dividend or the gain of that godly fear. So it might take you a while. There's about 300 verses there to go through. But it'll be a good exercise. So what I've done is taken those 295, distilled them down to about 70. And we're going to try and work through most of those this morning in the next 45 minutes, if we can do that. So the Old Testament, it's interesting. If you just do a word search on fear, you're going to come up a little short of the full study because... There's 17 different Hebrew words that are used and one Aramaic word to describe fear. 
So if you just go to your concordance and look up fear, you're not going to get the whole story because sometimes these words are, are translated fear in our English, you know, in, our, in the scripture, and other times they're translated something else. So if you really want to do an in-depth study, you're going to have to really look at all these different words, and we're going to go through what some of those different meanings are uh, this morning. So it's important to understand that when it uses these different words, they're not just simply synonyms. They're really describing fear, and they have different meanings. So the fear of the Lord has a tremendous amount of depth to it, and that's something I hope that we'll all take away this morning. There's, it's, it's really involved. So in the Old Testament, this is just a quick snapshot of the different kinds of fear that are described. And this is not an, a conclusive list. This is just a, a shortened list. So what we're going to do is work through a few of these just to help get us a sense to understand the, the depth of the meaning of the word fear. So the first one we're going to look at is stand in awe of God. So the scripture reference I'm using here is from Psalm 23, uh, 22, verse 23. And you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him all you offspring of Israel. So you get a sense here in this verse of really the fear of the Lord that is to inspire awe because we understand who God is and who it is we're supposed to have fear of. Kind of the deeper your understanding of God is, the more in awe you will be. And probably all of us have had these experiences throughout our Christian walk, whereas as we trust the Lord more and more, as we come to know the Lord more and more, we're just blown away by who he is and what he's done for us and how he's working in our lives. And then when you compare that with the promises that we have in Scripture, that awe should just be deepened more and more and more. So this is kind of talking about how you may have heard some people say that the fear of the Lord is the reverence that we're supposed to have toward the Lord. So this is related to that concept, sort of standing in awe of God. Now, another aspect of the fear of the Lord is to tremble before him. And there are hundreds of verses that are related to this. We're going to look at a couple. So I thought this was an interesting passage. So the, the passage I've got there from Isaiah 26, 17, it says, Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pain when she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. Now, that the word used for fear in that verse, writhing and crying out, is the same exact word that's used in Psalm 96, 9, right below it. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness and tremble before him all the earth. So that idea of trembling before him. So if you can somehow run through the mental gymnastics to tie those two thoughts together, it took me a while of really praying through these verses, but the idea is that Trembling before the Lord, we, we tremble before him in great anticipation of the wonderful work he's going to do in our lives. That's an aspect of the fear of the Lord. If you think about the promises that God has made to us, they're amazing. And we tremble before him as we think about that coming promise of glory that he's given to us. That's an aspect of fearing the Lord. And it's probably one you probably hadn't thought of. I certainly hadn't before I went through this study to just stop and think about what it is God intends to do in our lives and how what we're experiencing now is preparing us for that time. 
and that will inspire fear of the Lord is kind of the idea. The next pass or the next kind of concept, be in dread of God from Psalm 89 verse 17. A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. So the idea is that you probably remember throughout scripture just the name of the Lord would cause people to to be in dread of him and then whenever he would appear you probably remember the passage when they were coming out of Egypt and God descended on the mountain and the mountain trembled and shook and there was a um, they, they had already crossed through the Red Sea at that time the Israelites had and as the mountain shook and everything God invited them to come and fellowship with him and they were all like nope Moses you go we're good we're pretty much good Th- that's the idea to be in dread of God they knew that God was coming and had come to deliver them and had led them out of Egypt and done these wonderful things for them, but they still were in dread of him as they came face to face with the reality of him. That's the idea behind being in dread of God. And then worship and trembling, Psalm chapter 2, verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So if you think about rejoicing, so if you picture the worship that we had this morning where we're rejoicing in the songs that Jeff led us in. You don't really think about trembling and fearing the Lord in the concept of that, but that is part of the scriptural idea of the fear of the Lord. The idea that as we rejoice in him and tremble before him, we're serving the Lord with fear and rejoicing at what he's doing in our lives. So all of that is wrapped up in the fear of the Lord. In the New Testament, is really a focus on the emotions of the heart and talking about how the heart interacts with this fear of the Lord. There's many, many passages in the New Testament that deal with this. And they really point to the complexity and the necessity of the fear of the Lord. So if you go through the New Testament and work through those passages that are there, those are a couple of the themes that will come across. So a couple of the things we're going to look about, the terror of the Lord. Now, Revelation, obviously, is a book, a book we would read and certainly anticipate seeing this idea of the fear of the Lord since it's describing the coming judgment of when the Lord returns. So, in Revelation uh, 6, verse 17, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? So, it's just a reference talking about when you think about standing before the holy God, what comes to your mind? You know, how, how would you imagine that scene happening? There's been songs written about that, you know, where you stand before the Lord and you have all these things that you think you're going to say when really all you're going to do is just fall down on your face and worship him. And remember that it's the blood of Jesus that even allows you to be in the presence of him to begin with and just thinking about how all that comes together. And this passage is talking about those who don't have that blood of Jesus covering them. And what, would it, what will it be like for them as they stand before the Lord? There's also some solemn warnings. And uh, there's many passages here. We, we could spend you know, an hour just on this topic alone of just the warnings um, that are given if we don't have the fear of the Lord. So the one I want to look at is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore... While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So I once heard a comedian talking about this, and he was talking about how God was going to come and judge us for our sins 
unless we repented and gave our hearts to the Lord. So he was trying to encourage people to think, you think of the, uh, the, the hellfire and damnation type you know, preaching that was done decades ago, that kind of idea. S- sort of the idea of scaring people into believing because of the alternative that awaits them. That's really what this verse is talking about. If you think about, if you don't give your heart to the Lord, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what awaits you is hell. That's what awaits you. That's what this is talking about. Think about this. While the promise of entering his rest still stands, that promise stands until he comes the second time, right? Which hasn't happened yet. But once he comes, that promise goes away. That's the idea of this passage, or really up until the point of your death, which might be something more of us could relate to a little bit easier. If you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior before you die, then you will go to hell. That's about as plain as you can put it. And this passage is being used to encourage us to fear the Lord in such a way that we will come to a saving knowledge of him before before our last breath. That's what this is talking about. So... If someone asks, well, are you trying to convince me to to believe in the Lord because I should fear him? Well, yeah, absolutely. I want you to trust in the Lord and know him as your Lord and Savior. Any way that you have to come to him, any way at all, including this way. And that's what this warning is about here. So it's a little, uh, most people probably don't talk about this, but it's it's something I find pretty interesting just to think about. Um, there's also a, a passage that talks about Jesus and the, and the fear of God. So this is an interesting passage. I'll bring it up on the screen here. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you to whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So this passage is used often, and we're going to look at it later, another version of this um, passage, to say that we should fear God more than we fear man. And that's really at the heart of this passage. But if you think about what this passage is really saying, it's talking about the authority and the power that God has and how that is to be received by us, the fear of the Lord that it's supposed to create in us so that we have this motivation to do what he says because we know and understand the power and authority that he has. That's really at the heart of this passage. And then wonder, awe, and reverence from Revelation chapter uh, 15, verses 3 through 4. So if we take this quick intro that I did on the fear of the Lord, the Bible uses different words to describe fear. There are two major components, reverence and terror, but make no mistake, fear is fear. So if you go and read some of the theological books and some of the, uh, look at some sermons and various things that, that people, or you just ask somebody, what do you think about the fear of the Lord? Most will probably be like I was before I went through this study, and they focus on the first of those two uh, ideas, reverence. You probably hear that a lot. Oh, the fear of the Lord is the reverence of the Lord. Absolutely. That's definitely a part of it. But the terror of the Lord is a big part of it, too. And you saw the passages that we just went through, that it really is both components. And fear means fear. We shouldn't water it down. We shouldn't 
you know, we, we should try and embrace it in, in all of its totality, and it will challenge us to truly understand what it means. And we're going to look at a couple of passages here in a second as to why it's so important to understand it in its totality and not just half of it or part of it. And these passages, Proverbs 1-7 and uh, Psalm 1-11, verse 10, both speak about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they're probably passages that are familiar to us. So Proverbs 1-7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So these passages and others, some we've already looked at, talk about the promise given to us if we understand the fear of the Lord. So it's this idea of knowing God. The fear of the Lord is directly tied to wisdom and knowing God and many other benefits. So it's important for us to understand this. It's important for us to, to think about it every now and then. So it's an important topic, and it's also very, very complex. Right? So if you're scratching your head now, I'm going to run through a series of questions that hopefully help us get to a deeper understanding of what this is. So how many of you have heard a sermon on the fear of the Lord? A couple, okay, yeah. I hadn't. Had, had I ever heard one, I might not have volunteered to do one. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's really challenging to get across. It's, it's, it's been very difficult uh, this, over this past month preparing this. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then this is something I want us to think about. I want to think about how our behavior changes when we increase our knowledge of God. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we understand the fear of the Lord, then our knowledge of God will increase. Well, what change will that produce in us as we think about and have this continual awareness that God is watching us and he's evaluating everything we think and say and do? Not, don't think of it in a judgmental way, but he's certainly looking on. This holy God is watching everything we do. And he's called us and equipped us to be his instruments and to be his light and his salt as we go out into the world. That's what we've been called to do. So I'm hoping that through this understanding of the fear of the Lord, not only do we have a deeper knowledge of God, but it motivates us to go and get busy doing what it is he wants us to do while we're here on this earth. So hopefully that's the takeaway from this. So there's some questions I want to ask to try and lead us down this path. All right. The first one is, why should we fear God? And then, what is the fear of God? We've talked about it a little bit already. And then, how do we fear God? So we'll end with a little practical application. And there's a quote there by, by uh, John Calvin that was on the first slide. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. So how many of you would like to be free from fear of everything except God? That's where we all would want to be, right? And we've all probably fallen, you know, we've been susceptible to fear of something else that has caused us to go down a wrong path or make a wrong decision or not do something that God was calling us to do. And so the promise in Scripture that is if we're really fearing the Lord, then we will do what he wants us to do if we really truly understand him. And we won't worry 
about what the person sitting to the left or right of us or the, um, those in the world and those who don't know the Lord of what they're saying to us or what they're thinking about us. So that's the idea. So let's answer that first question. Why should we fear the Lord? Based on what we've seen so far in the passages that we've talked about, God is the kind of God who either is going to inspire reverence or terror in the hearts of men. Sometimes both, right? So that's, that's supposed to be the view of God that we have. Now, there's a couple of passages here that I'm going to pull up on the screen, and then we're going to go through each of those attributes that you see there. So Deuteronomy 10:17 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. So that passage, I think, is pretty interesting. If you think about God, nothing we can do will make God love us any less or any more than he already does. Now think about how freeing that is. In other words, it's, it's not a works-based thing that we're involved in. It's a response. As we learn more and more about God and we discover the gifts that he's given us, and we see the path that he's leading us down, we can be encouraged to do what it is he's called us to do, knowing that he loves us the same every single day. And as Andrea pointed out in the beginning, his mercies are new every moment, every moment, right? Uh, I remember there was someone who spoke here and was talking about how God is continually, 24 hours a day, making a beautiful sunrise somewhere in the world at every moment. Think about that, right? As the earth is constantly spinning, there's a sunrise going on somewhere. So it's this beautiful picture that God is unfolding is continually unfolding. And it's passages like this that we un when we understand who God is, we should be greatly encouraged by what he's doing in our lives. And then Psalm 89, verse 6 and 7. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. So if we think about why we should fear the Lord, we can talk about a few different attributes or concepts related to God that should help motivate us to fear him. The nature of God, the names of God, the word of God, the works of God, and the mighty works of God. So we're going to go through each of these. The first one, the nature of God. And again, we're trying to answer that question, why should we fear the Lord? So if we think about the nature of God, there's a passage, several passages that talk about the greatness of God, the sovereignty of God. So let's take a look at one of those. Psalm 33, 6 through 7. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the breadth of his mouth and all their host. He gathers the water of the sea as a heap, and he puts the deeps in storehouses. So, I don't know how many of you have really taken the time to consider how amazing creation is, right? Now, if we try and consider all the heavens, that might be something too far for us to grasp. I'm just going to touch on a couple of things, right? How many of you have ever dug a hole on a hot day? How much effort did it take to move all that dirt? Hours and hours and hours just to dig a small little hole. God spoke the entire earth into existence in a moment. It takes us all day just to dig a hole. 
I mean, think about the difference. It's, it's not even comparable when you try and imagine just the scope of how amazing God is. When I was stationed in Okinawa, I was scuba diving. I wanted to get a picture because these waves were breaking on the northern part of the, of the island, about 40 feet in the air. They were hitting these big rocks and spraying up. It was really cool. So I thought it would be cool to get a picture with the wave breaking behind me. So I climbed down a little ways. Well, The cliff was about 100 feet tall. So I was well above where the waves were going to get me. So I climbed down a little ways, and I'm, I turned my back to the ocean. I'm looking back at the guy with the camera, and his eyes got about this big, and I thought, oh, no. So I just grabbed the rock. Well, one of those waves, just a monster wave came in, and it went all the way up, like 80 feet up to where I was, and just my legs were out behind me, and I'm just holding the rock like this. If, it, if I hadn't held on, down I would have went 100 feet, done. That's just one wave. That's just one wave. And I could barely hold myself against it. So think about this, right? He puts the deeps in their storehouse. He gathers the waves of the sea as a heap. All of that is in God's control. And then here's the good news. He loves you. He has a plan for you. All that power, all that might, all that wonder, all that glory, he's looking out for you. He has your best interest in mind. That's the idea that we're supposed to understand in this idea of the sovereignty of God and fearing the Lord. So if we talk about the holiness of God, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So in this passage, it talks about everyone Every knee will bow before the Lord God. Whether they believe in him or not, it's not going to matter. They will all come before him and bow. Now, how much more should we who actually know him, you know, lift up the holiness of God and have a reverence for his name? That's all included in this idea of the fear of the Lord. Now, if we think about the nature of God, continue... There's the jealousy of God. There's numerous passages that talk about how God is a jealous God. The justice and righteousness of God. Again, we could go through many, many passages. We're going to look at one. So this is passages from 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 8. Moreover in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed certain Levites and priests and heads of families of Israel to give judgment for the Lord and to decide disputed cases. They had their seat at Jerusalem, and he charged them, Thus you shall do in fear of the Lord, in faithfulness, and with your whole heart. Now, Jehoshaphat was an interesting king. He was the son of Asa, who was a godly king in Israel. So this is the time when there was a northern kingdom that was kind of walking away from the Lord, and a southern kingdom. King Asa was Jehoshaphat's dad. He passes on. Jehoshaphat takes over. Asa had led the nation in this revival. Jehoshaphat came along, and he took it to the next level. He even went to the point where he took out the book of the law, appointed Levites and priests, and sent them out to all the cities of the southern kingdom to teach them the word of God and to bring them back to God. He was a very godly king. And there's some interesting uh, quotes about him from Scripture. Uh, I would encourage you to definitely read through uh, more of this, this passage. But... Um, He's described as his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord and he taught the word of the Lord 
to these cities in Ju Judah. So as he finishes up this campaign to go out and teach them you know, about the word of God, he then appoints these judges to go out into all these cities, and that's what this passage is about. And if you'll notice, as he appoints them, they were to have their seat in Jerusalem, and the charge he gave them was, this you shall do in the fear of the Lord and in faithfulness with your whole heart. And then it goes on to describe how they were to judge. So if we take this passage and apply it to us, okay? God saved us, right? I'm assuming all of us know the Lord, and if you don't, you should. I hope by the end of today, you will, and I'll give you an opportunity at the end. So all of us who know the Lord, we're still here, right? God saved us, and he kept us here. And he's given us each unique gifts. All of us have a special thing that God has gifted us to do. And he wants us to go out and do that in the fear of the Lord, right? Whatever your occupation is, do it in the fear of the Lord. There's many passages that talk about whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord, do for Jesus. That's the idea here. The idea that God is a jealous God and the gifts and special blessings he's given to us, he wants us to use them to glorify him, not to glorify ourselves, not to glorify something else, but for his glory. And that's really what this, is, this passage is talking about. And if we fear him, then we will do that. We will make sure we're using our gifts, our talents, our resources to glorify the Lord. There's also several passages that talk about the justice and righteousness of God, the judgment of God against his enemies. Now, this next concept is the names of God. So we could spend many, many hours talking through the various names of God in Scripture. Scripture encourages us to delight to fear God's name, to fear the name of God, to glorify the name of God, praise the name of God, to understand that God's name is holy, to understand that God's name is to be feared. All of these concepts have to do with just the name of God because of who he is. And so if you think about it, this chart might be a little hard to read on the screen. I guess you can see some of them. But it's a depiction of the various names of God. So if you want to get kind of a deeper understanding of who God is, remember, names are given to God to help identify his character, his characteristics, his, his power, you know, his might, his glory, his, all of that is, are wrapped up in his name. So do a, a study on just the names of God, right? There's a, there's a section in the Old Testament where the name of God goes on for several verses as they just describe all the attributes of God and, and attribute them to his name. So his name and who he is should help us to fear the Lord. Now let's talk a little bit about the word of God, which we have in front of us. Most of us have a Bible with us this morning. So... We know that the law of the Lord is perfect. Psalm 19 talks about that, the entire psalm. We know that we're supposed to have awe and reverence for the word of God. There's a couple of references for that. We know that the Bible talks about his word being a source of fear of God in, in Deuteronomy. The New Testament talks about how the word of God is inspired and God breathed. There's a couple of references for you there.
And we know that the word of God is dependable. And this is one. So if you think about everything related to God and who God is and everything that's in this book, I think this passage is really interesting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. So this is Jesus speaking. And he says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So God's word is dependable. If it says it in this book, it will happen. And this is the promise of Jesus. So this Bible has over 800,000 words in it. 800,000 words. Now this passage here says that not even one little dot above an I or one little slash mark above any letter is even off. Not to mention any of the 800,000 plus words or any of the passages. So when you come to scripture and there's a promise, it's guaranteed to be fulfilled because God says it will. So if you ever feel like you go to scripture sometimes, you're like, well, I don't know if this is really happening right now. When I do that, I know I'm the one that's off. I know I'm not seeing something I should see. I'm not learning something God wants me to learn. The scripture is not in error. I'm in error. And I need to figure out what it is the Lord wants me to learn through that. So the word of God itself should motivate us to fear God. Just do a study on how we got our Bible and why it's accurate, why it's believable, why it's trustworthy compared to any other document that's out there. It's just amazing. Anyone who's gone through that study and started out an atheist has been a believer by the time they finish, if they truly look at it the right way, because it's the word of God. So the next thing we want to talk about is the works of God. We're going to look at this in, in a couple of different ways. First of all, the, the many various works of God that we probably all are familiar with as we've seen them happen in our lives from time to time. Psalm 104, verse 24, talks about the many works of God. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. So we should take time to remind ourselves of the works of God and how many there are. Maybe it's something just as simple as journaling your prayers. Simple prayers. Even when you pray for a parking spot and you're headed somewhere and one shows up, right? Remember, there are no coincidences. It's the Lord who's working in you and through you to do everything that you see coming about. So if you always have the mindset that it's God working in me, then when these things happen, you attribute them back to God and the works of God, and you should be in fear of him. That should be the response. Like, wow, Lord, this was you. I remember... Uh, before my mom uh, became a believer, she visited me, and we were, you know, I just, I would just pray like I normally do, and I was praying literally for a parking spot, and praying for this to happen and that, and she was with me for about a week, and she flew back to Michigan, and at the airport, in her very abrupt way that she normally is, she said, uh, how do you do it? How does that work? Well, what are you talking about, Mom? She said, well, I, I've heard of praying, and I've heard of people trusting God, but it actually works. I'm like, well, yeah, Mom, that's kind of the idea. He's God. Of course it does. 
And I didn't realize the testimony of just a continual reminding of those that are around you that it is God who we trust and it is he who is working in us so that they can help connect those dots. And we can connect those dots too as we are mindful to the fact that it's God working in us that's doing everything that we see around us. That's the idea of understanding the works of God. And there are many. And they are certainly great. And they're wonderful. And they're righteous. And they're marvelous, righteous, and true. If you just think through everything God is doing in your life. Now, from the works of God, we can think about the mighty works of God. The big ones, right? So creation, that's what the kids are learning about downstairs this morning. They're talking about creation. So Psalm 33, verses 8 and 9 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. So if you can go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and get through that, the rest of the Bible is pretty easy. Because it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you can get through that simple passage and say, okay, yep, I get it. All the other promises of God, think about it, are pretty small compared to creating the entire universe. That's the idea here. Creation should be one of those things that we just marvel at. And they should cause us to fear God even more as we contemplate Everything we see, he created. And even more than that, Colossians talks about how everything is held together by God. Right? So if you think down to the very atom that everything is made up of, God is the one holding that structure together. And from there, everything is held together. It's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. Sovereignty. God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. That can be pretty challenging for us sometimes, especially when we don't get our way and we don't get what we want and we don't get the outcome we anticipate, right? How many of us are challenged by that from time to time? Probably all of us. As we have an anticipated outcome, we imagine in our mind, oh, this is the great plan that I've already figured out for you, Lord, so I'm going to go ahead and pray for it. And of course you're going to do it the way that I figured out because that's the best way. Doesn't always work out that way. This is the idea here is that he's working all things out for the counsel of his will. So see, that's, that's kind of the idea, if you think about it, when Jesus was praying in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. So God is sovereign, and whatever he's working out in your life, whatever has happened in your life, he's used to make you the perfect, wonderful, awesome child of God that you are today. That's what he's doing. He's working in and through you to glorify his name. And then we should be in awe of his sovereignty. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. So let's look at that passage. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Sounds like me sometimes. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say in their hearts... Let us fear the Lord our God, who gives the rain in its season, and the autumn rain, and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. So the idea here was that 
all these blessings were being poured on the nation of Israel. And Jeremiah was reminding them that they were supposed to turn their hearts to the Lord and walk in his ways. And they wouldn't. And they didn't. And he had a very long ministry where he repeated this message over and over and over again. And they never listened. Because they had a stubborn and a rebellious heart. We want to have a soft heart toward the Lord. So that as we fear him, we recognize that he's the one working in us all the time, every day, continually. And that's the idea. If we understand that God is, is sovereign. Forgiveness. This is a huge one. Just to understand that we're forgiven. So, so the, if you think about forgiveness, some of us may think that we've done something so terrible or horrible that God could never use us. Well, God could never use me because of such and such or this or that that I've done in my past. Well, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. How did the Apostle Paul start out when his name was Saul? What was his mission in life? To kill Christians. That was it. And lock them up in prison. That's what the Apostle Paul started out at. Until he was on the Damascus Road and he came face to face with the Lord and the Lord revealed himself to him. He's like, oh, I think I need to head in a new direction. And that's the guy who God used to have that rich and wonderful ministry to the Gentiles. And, and a lot of, of the New Testament that we read, those letters that are such a blessing for us, Paul is the one who wrote those. So this idea of forgiveness is huge in our lives. The idea that, God, that we are forgiven. We are forgiven and free. And so it shouldn't be just viewed as something that was a one-time event, that this forgiveness happened at salvation and then that's it, it's a done deal. No, it wasn't dropped at conversion. The fear of the Lord is the goal of God's plan for salvation. So he's continually sanctifying us. And as we fear him and revere his name and, and, and literally have a, a terror of him, he can use us more and more as our knowledge of him is increased. And that's the idea that we're talking about here. And judgment. And this is, again, that passage that talks about, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the body, soul and body in hell. So this idea that God is coming to judge, there is a judgment day. We should be aware of that. And if we're walking with him, then we'll be more and more motivated to continue to walk with him if we understand that God is one is coming to judge. So, um, all right. Now, I want to take a little bit of time to make a comparison between the fear of man versus the fear of God, right? To help us understand what the fear of God is, sometimes it's important to have a comparison with what it's not. So if we look at the fear of man, this is the result of the fear of man. If we fear man, it brings a snare. It causes us to want to please man. Man is like grass, so obviously fear of man is, leads to very temporary results. It prevents us from acting a lot of times, and it leads us into wrong action. And I'm sure we could make this list about five times longer if we're fearing man. Now let's compare that if we fear God. If we fear God, 
It's the key to knowledge and wisdom. We talked about that. It's a knowledge of God himself. Fearing God is a knowledge of God himself. It's an, an amazing concept. It gives us respect for the power of God's word. It causes us to hate what God hates. It's a fountain of life, and it gives us hope and confidence in the Lord. So if you want to see what you're really fearing in, look at the results of that fear, right? If you're fearing man, that first list may apply. If you're fearing God, then this is some of the things that you should see manifest in your life as a result of fearing God. So how do we do it? Right? We've talked about what it is, what it's not, why we should do it. So how do we do it? Well, one of the ways we fear God is by keeping his commandments. If we really know God and fear God, then we're going to want to do what it is that he says we're supposed to be doing. Kind of makes sense. So we need to learn to recognize or know God in such a dominant way that our, in our lives that we're actually obedient that we take action, right? So remember that, that faith is an action, right? It's, it's, it, as we know and believe, we know and believe to the point that we actually do something. That's the idea. So if we fear God, we're going to keep his commandments because we know him to the point that we want to be obedient. We want to do what it is that he's called us to do. We'll stay away from sin, a fear of the Lord is promised throughout Scripture that if we fear the Lord, we will not sin. So we have the ability not to sin all the time. Now, none of us are ever 100% successful. Just read 1 John. You'll, you'll see. If you say you're not a sinner, then you're a liar. So we're all sinners. But the point is, we have the ability not to sin. And as we hold this holy God right in front of us, who loves us and cares for us, then we can be motivated not to sin. So God's fear before us keeps us from sinning. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. And that's the idea. So if you're struggling with something, this may be a way that the Lord can work in your heart to be delivered from that. So continuing on. We can serve the Lord. That's how we fear God. We can give to the Lord. Giving is an act of fearing the Lord. We can praise the Lord. We can trust in the Lord. So, if you think about all of these, they really have the idea of taking action based on knowing who God is. And that's the idea. Remember that passage that talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and, and the key to the knowledge of God. Well, that's the idea. If you fear the Lord, you're going to know him more. And as you know him more, you're going to want to be more obedient to him. You're going to want to serve him, give to him, praise him, trust him. All these things flow together. Now, <clears throat> let's think about putting the fear of the Lord into action as we wrap up. So what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the knowledge of God himself. And when you fear the Lord... You've decided that knowing who God is is more important than anything else. That's a pretty important, you know, think about if, you, if we all came to that point continually, every moment of every day, how different our lives would look. If we really decided that knowing God is more important than anything else. I know I, I fall short in many areas, but this is, 
an admonition for myself. Now, how do we get to know the Lord himself? Well, I'm encouraging you, spend time in God's word every day. Every day. Every day we all have a morning routine. We could probably all write it down. Well, back it up 15 minutes and put God in there. And start with 15 minutes. And you'll see that 15 minutes a year from now won't be enough. You're going to want a half an hour for that. Right? And then maybe a little bit more after that. So each and every day, spend time with the Lord. And then spend time with the Lord throughout the day. Just remembering something about him. Maybe you set an alarm on your watch or your smartphone or whatever you have. To just say, okay, this is a five-minute remember the Lord moment. I'm just going to take time to spend a little time with him and listen to his voice. And then as you're in his word and as you're listening for his voice, he's going to speak to you. There'll be revelation that he gives you, things he lays on your heart about himself, about his word, about what he wants you to do. So apply it. As he speaks to you, actually do it. And then you're going to deepen your faith, deepen your walk, deepen your knowledge of God, your trust of God, your fear of the Lord. All those things will deepen. And then the ultimate thing down at the bottom will start to happen. You'll have this personal relationship with him. He will become your best friend that you go to for everything, all the time, every day, every moment. That's the idea. That's where he wants to lead us. So, as a final word of application, I I took a passage of scripture and I personalized it. So, this is something else you can do in your quiet time. If you go to the Psalms or somewhere in the scripture and it's talking about a passage and it's referencing somebody else, put your name in there and turn it all into me's and my's and I and make it personal for you. And then see how it reads differently. So, this passage is from Deuteronomy chapter 12, or chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. And so I want us to read this together. And where it says your name, don't say your name, actually say your name. So say Sarah or, yeah, Sean or, you know. And then I've changed all the blue in there has been changed because the original passage has you or your or some, some that it directs it outward. So I've turned it to direct it all inward to us, all right? So we're going to see if we can read through this together and see what we can take away from it. So, all right, so reading together, here we go. And now, budge, (laughs) what does my Lord require me? But to fear the Lord my God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I read every day for my good. So I took out a few words in there, so you'll see if you actually go to the passage. There's a couple of little things missing, so that it flowed a little better. But think about this passage. Think about applying this to your lives. And as you do this, and you go to the scripture, Try and gain a deeper understanding of the fear of the Lord, all of its components, all the depths of it, so that you can benefit. See, that's the end of this, for my good. In the end, you will benefit. God will be glorified, absolutely. 
You will become a more powerful witness for him. He will be glorified. You will be doing much more for him than you are today. But remember, that's for your good also. So it's just kind of a neat process to go through. So with that, um, I want to see, does anyone have any questions, comments? Because it's a lot. And so I want to give you the chance to see if anyone has any comments before we close out with a worship song. <laughs> All right, so I'll be available after if anyone wants to pray or to, to talk through this. Um, and again, if, if you want the slides, just, just let me know. I'm happy to share them. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out in a word of prayer, and then I'll ask Jeff to come up and, and lead us in some worship. Dear Lord, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for helping us to understand more of the fear of the Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that these things you've shown to us, you will help us to apply to our lives, Lord. Truly help us to uh, spend time in your word, to desire to know you more, and to apply these truths to our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.